And if you will, would you please turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 3. And we are studying Jesus' letter to the church in Philadelphia. That's not Philadelphia, USA. Money. Philadelphia is in a place now called Turkey. So uh, let's see what Jesus had to say to this church there, okay? As we begin to read. Chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Amen. We'll continue on from there, but first let's unpack that. Philadelphia is the first church in these seven letters that Jesus does not have an issue with. He doesn't rebuke, he doesn't correct, he doesn't change. Uh, anything of what they're doing. He commends them, as a matter of fact. And in this introduction, he even says something different than um, in all the other letters. They saw him among the lampstands, and he made reference to those points. But here he gives himself a title that there's no reference to earlier in the book of Revelation. He said he is the Holy One and the True One. Now, anything that is ultimately true is obviously set apart from that which is false. It's light. It's not darkness. He is holy. He's holy. He is true. There's a transcendent truth. There's an ultimate truth. Beyond what your opinion is, beyond what our understanding is, there is a transcendent truth that ultimately is not only an abstract thought, it is in fact a person, Jesus Christ. He is the truth the life, the way. He ultimately is truth, all truth. And he is set apart. He is other than. He is holy. He's apart from creation, though he's involved in creation. He's in the midst of all this, but yet he's separate from it. He has no evil in him, and he is all true. Now, the reason we can worship God is because when you look at these lofty ideas of what is good, what is right, what is just, what is true, all of these things are holy. They're, they're different than what we know on planet Earth. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we know some people that are truthful, but eventually everybody's got something to hide and lie and doesn't give us the whole information. And, and he is set apart. There, how many good things are there in the planet? I mean, sin has basically really corrupted everything. He is apart from all that. I, I can't put it into words at how pure and good and unique he is it's going to take our whole life to pursue that and i hope that's what you do when you worship i hope when you're worshiping you're not trying to figure out you know did he have long hair what was his beard like was it curly was it black did he have blue eyes i mean come on you know i mean what are you focusing on i hope the attributes and the qualities of god he is the ultimate that every heart yearns for don't you want someone to be honest with you? I mean, I would love pure honesty. Nothing hidden. That which is purely true. There's no falsehood in it. It's pure through and through. Goodness, purity, holiness. That's who he is. And that's why 
we're such a contrast to that. Yet he came, put flesh on, and dwelt among us. And so that's how he introduces himself to this church. He says he's holy and true. And that's a hope that we look for. And that's something we have a foundation. And he goes on to say this. And he says, he has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. That's, that's pretty cool. How many of you have some doors that you need closing and would hope that nobody would open them again? Right? Aren't there some issues you would love to have settled? Shut the door, be done with it, it's over. Don't remind me again. I don't have to go back to that. That's part of so much of the issue of mankind. We all need forgiveness. We all are ashamed of something and feel guilt and remorse from the past. He says he has the ability to shut the door on that stuff. That is awesome, isn't it? How many of you want the door shut on a few things? Anybody? All right, it's unanimous. We'll pray for that. He also opens doors. Doors we can't open. And once he opens them, no one else can shut them. Have you ever had a a door shut on you? A door of opportunity? You had hoped, you looked for it. This could be it. Slam. He's the one who can open a door and it'll never shut. Now, how does he have this authority? He goes on to say this. He says, I have the key of David. So what in the world is the key of David? Why, why would he say he has the key of David? Well, David was the king of united Israel and Judea. It was the golden age of, of Judaism. King David sat on the throne, and God made promises to King David that the son of David, David's son, would reign on that throne for all eternity. Was he talking about Solomon? Was he talking about another king and another king? He was talking about the Messiah that was coming. And so David was an image or a type of the one who would come. And remember the tabernacle and, and the Ark of the Covenant, all of that was a representation of what? Heaven, a picture of heaven. Remember God told Moses, make this exactly the way I tell you because this is a model of heaven. And so King David was a model of the Messiah. Mount Zion was a model of heaven and the authority of heaven coming to earth. And so when he says, I hold the keys of David, he's the real David, he's the real king, he's the real Messiah, the one who is at the real Mount Zion in the real throne of God. He's the fulfillment of all of that. Now, he's actually quoting, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 22, verse 22. Elkanah was given this word and God said to him, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. So the keys of David represent the authority of the kingdom of God. He said he put it on his shoulder. Why would you put your keys on your shoulder? It represented government. Shoulders represent government and authority. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and, and the kingdom shall be upon his, the government shall be upon his what? Shoulders. That's where you have your authority. He carries the weight of everything. And so the keys or the authority of heaven and earth is on the shoulders in those keys of David. Now some people get into this and they get all 
you know, spooky and mystical and say, oh, the key of David, it's a secret. Only a few people know these keys. It's a secret word. It's a secret position in heaven. And there's different teachings out there. Can I tell you what the key of David is? Jesus. All right? It's that simple. There's not, nothing secret about it. He is the one who holds all authority. He is the key of David. He is the authority that King David looked to and that throne expected. It was Messiah. It's Jesus. And he has accomplished. He's the key to everything. He is the door. Not only is he the key, he is the door. He's the way. He's the life. He's the light. You name it, he's it. Okay? There's nothing else secret about this. We get into all this silly mystical stuff. If you say this prayer and say these words, and according to numerology, if we divide the Bible 17 times and then look up something else in a word that's Greek and Hebrew, you'll find this mystical thing that if you say these seven words, something's going to happen. Yeah, you'll see Jesus. It's Jesus. Everything. Divide it all up. Write it up. Down. Put it in ink that is invisible. I don't care what you do. It's him. He's the one. It's that clear. Let's stop trying to be so mystical and understand he wants a relationship with us. We don't need these secrets. Nothing's secret. It shouldn't be secret to the lost. They don't have to have a Gnostic secret knowledge. It's Jesus. (laughs) Made my point. All right. (laughs) Now, remember what he does. He says this. uh, I know your works. And he says this. Behold, I set before you an open door. The key of David, the open door. Jesus is the open door to God the Father. He's the open door to heaven. He's the open door to eternal life. He's the open door to wisdom. Anything we get from God comes from Christ Jesus, who is the open door. Now, I love this passage. He says, I have set before you an open door. What's the expectation if you're standing there and there's a door that's open to you? What's the expectation? There we go. Let's go in this thing, right? It's a door that only He can open. You know, there's a destiny in, over your life, there's a purpose that you have, there's a, there are plans that God has for you. You've become his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has already prepared for you to do. It's the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10. All right, you've become his workmanship. And the beauty of that word in the original language, that you've become his workmanship, that, that term, that phrase is masterpiece. You've become his masterpiece. You are a canvas, you are a sculpture, you're a painting, you're everything he's pouring himself into. I said this last week, I'll say it again, it's an amazing thought. Because he is set apart from time, he is eternal, he can take all the time in the world which e- with each one of you. Because he's eternal and outside of time, he can spend all of his focus on you, and all of his focus on you, and all of his focus on you, all of his focus on you. How can he do that? How can he pay attention to you and not pay attention to me? Because he's eternal. He's outside of time. He, he, time and space does not limit him. He is everywhere in all things at all times. So believe it or not, this is a love story between you and him. It happens to be a love story between me and him. And you and him, and and you and him, and you and him, and and he's completely, ultimately intimate with you and knowing you. 
And so you've become his masterpiece, a trophy of grace, and he's working with you. All of us collectively are these incredible, beautiful masterpieces that he's putting together, which he's prepared for us to do, works he's already prepared. So when he says there's an open door in front of you, this is your opportunity to go into another level of becoming what he wants you to be. That's awesome. And can I tell you something? Self-improvement books, self-help books, they're not going to get you there. You need a door opened that only God can open. A door into your heart. Now he's setting an open door there for Philadelphia, for this church, because of their situation. He says because the three things they did. Let's take a look at these three things that he's setting an open door in front of. He says that I have set an open door before you. I know your works. I know your works. This isn't about their salvation. This is about what they're doing with their salvation. This is about how they're living out their life in Christ. He says, I know what you're doing. I know your activities. I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Man, I can't tell you how good that sounds. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, how many times have you had something given and taken away? So what he's saying is, I'm opening a door. This is going to be a new dimension. How many of you are video gamers? Anybody here play games? Right? Okay, you gamers, right? How many of you get to the next level? You get an open door, you get a key. Ah, there's a whole new world here. Right? A whole new realm. You get a whole new level. That's what he's talking about. Which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So the reason he's doing this for them is because they're faithful. They've been faithful. Faith is what opens doors. Faith is what opens doors. Not just, I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. We've reduced faith into this concept that it's just positive thinking. I believe, I believe, I believe. If I speak my word to the universe, the universe will come back to me with positive words. Right? Thank you, Oprah. That's, that's, that's the philosophy today. You know, if we're just positive and if we believe. Click your heels three times. There's no place like home. I believe, I believe, I believe. And that's what we've reduced Christianity to. Just positive thinking. Be positive. Faith has to have an object that you trust. So what is our object that we trust? Jesus. It's Him. Completely. Ultimately. My faith is in Him. Not in me. We've changed faith into us. How much do you believe? Do you really believe? Well, you didn't get it because you just didn't believe. I'm trusting in Him. And what he knows is best for me. I'm faithful to him despite what's going on around me. I'm faithful. I will forever be true to him, true to his word, and true to endure, and I will be faithful to him. And when you are, that's when doors open. Unto his glory, not yours. We may benefit from the things God opens doors to from time to time, but can I remind you again, Christianity of the Bible is not what we're hearing and reading much about. It's not about your pleasure, your benefits, your riches, your comfort. And again, we've turned him into our servant. Being faithful to him is faithful to glorify his name. Everything is about him. 
The reason you have any blessing is to give honor to him. Does this make sense? Anybody with me? This is all about Christ and exalting him. Is he worthy of that much exalt? exaltation? Is he worthy of that much glory? Should we be spending that much time on him? Or how about just a little bit on me? No, you don't need me. You need him. It's all about him. And so when we're faithful to him and the doors of blessings that open, we step through them so that we can offer a greater presence of Christ in this world. We can give greater praise and greater glory to who he is and more people can hear about him. This is Christianity, folks. Get the name? Christianity, right? We've been changing it into meanity, and it's becoming insanity. And it's just another ism among the people there. So let's be careful to be like this church. Now look at what he says. He says about them. He says you've been faithful because, number one, you've kept my word. You have kept my word. This word is transcendent. We can't even get people to agree anymore if this is the word of God or not. Well, there's too many contradictions. There's too many mistakes. Have you read that? No, I just heard about it. So many folks discount this word without ever knowing anything about it. You've kept my word in a hostile environment. You're staying faithful to my word. What does it mean to keep his word? To keep it. I, rem- I know seven verses. No, it's not how many verses you have memorized. It's, the, it's who you are. It's what you do. I keep his word. How I act. It, 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 it helps and what I think, and how I process my thinking, and the choices I make. Every choice I make should honor his word. So I'm keeping it. In my actions and in my deeds, I'm keeping his word. Despite the situation, I will be faithful to his word. If you stay faithful to my word, I'm opening, I can open doors. Doors will open for you. Again, it's really, you, you got to catch hold of this, but if I keep talking about open doors, what's the first thing we go to? Opportunity for me. And if I could readjust all of our thinking to remember it's not about us. You know, over half the world's Christians are being persecuted right now. Well over half. But they continue to be faithful to the word to exalt him. We have so many who are leaving Christianity in America because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Again, it's not about us. So you're faithful to my word, he says. You've kept my word, and secondly, you have not denied my name. And so what is the name that is above every name? Jesus. And what is the name that offends everyone right what is the number one curse word around the world in every language jesus isn't that interesting no one says ah buddha (laughs) isn't it interesting that everything's you know about god and jesus christ you can say you can say god on tv you can say god on the radio but the minute someone starts talking about jesus the interviewer gets all thank you that's enough freak and then he goes on It's an offensive name. Jesus is an offensive. Why is Jesus so offensive? 
Can you figure that out? I mean, he comes to offer salvation to anyone who wants it. Truth offends, convicts of sin, all right? Reveals our flesh, our self. But he also is very exclusive. He says he's the only way to the Father. That is offensive to pretty much everyone. But again, if he was not the only way, then what's the value of the cross? What's the value of what he accomplished and what he did? He died for us. That's one of the options. You can have Jesus who died, or you can have Buddha who's fat. You can have, I don't know, I'm just putting it out there. Again, that can be offensive. I didn't mean to sound offensive. But it, it gets down to why is Jesus so offensive to everyone? It's because he's the only way of salvation. And if I don't like that way, I don't like being rejected. And that hurts. But he said, you've been faithful to my name. You speak my name. You keep my word and you speak my name. In other words, you're not ashamed of me. And that's key. Now later on he goes on and he says this, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. And I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So the third thing they did is they kept his word of enduring patience. Patient endurance. So they endured patiently for God, for Christ, upholding his name and keeping his word. Those three things kept Philadelphia strong as a church. That they endured whatever their culture was putting on them. There was, a, there was a group of Jews who were coming against this early church here. And they had rejected the Messiah. And so what Jesus is saying is they've rejected Messiah. They're not the chosen of God at this point. But the Christians are who have accepted Jesus. And so they go on. Again, there's that exclusiveness. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so it's Christ, and so this caused great persecution. Has anybody been under some kind of persecution because you lift up the name of Jesus at work or in families or at home, right? There's some offensiveness with this. And we're beginning to see it on a greater level in, in America. And it's coming in a greater form. So what's going to happen is we need to do three things. We need to patiently endure Get our perspective right about what life is about. It's about being faithful to His Word and speaking His name and enduring patiently while we're here this continued declaration of who He is. That's what's going to open doors in the spirit realm. That's what's going to open doors. When we exalt Him, things open up and begin to move. Alright? Now, we... We, again, we're all looking for secret equations to have God move on our behalf. But it's not about us. He says, I'm coming soon. Verse 11. 
I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Again, hold fast. Be careful. Hold on. They're used to enduring patiently. They're used to persecution. They're used to suffering for Christ's name. And they uphold His name and they keep His word through all of this. And then here's here's what he says. I really appreciate this. Hold on. So great. That's wonderful. Hold on to what you got. Because there's coming a time now where there's going to be a greater trial. Hold on. But these are people you can count on. And that's why he says, I'm going to open a door and take you to another level. Because I need you to hold on. He says, hold on so no man can steal your crown. Hold on so no one takes your crown. What's this crown he's talking about? Well, the crown that we're going to receive is called a Stephanos crown in the original language, the Greek. Stephanos. It was the Olympic crown. When you ran in the Olympics back at this time in Greece and in these different games, and you came in first place, they would put a wreath on your head, a laurel wreath, right? It was a Stephanos crown. And what did it signify? You won! And it was an honor to have this crown. And so those who overcome, those who win the race, Paul talks about this a lot. Paul likes sports. Paul was always talking about sports. He talked about boxing. He talked about running. He loved the Olympics. He was a fan. He used to watch TV all the time. He'd watch sports. He'd watch, go to the games. So Paul was all about this. And so, he's, and so the games and sporting, it's the, it's the wreath of overcoming. It's the victor's crown. And he said, be faithful, hold on. In other words, run this last lap. Give it all you got. Hang in there. It's the fourth quarter. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of sports analogies. I'm the wrong guy to do this. Uh, fourth quarter. I was waiting for the fourth period at a hockey game once. Everybody walked out on the third period. And I thought, what are you going? where are you going? I found out in the parking lot there's only three periods. I thought, why are we leaving early? Anyways, all right, so I don't know hockey that well. Right? Two outs, last inning, last ups. Hold on. Don't let anyone steal your crown. What is this crown? We're all going to receive crowns based on our works, based on what Jesus put in us. What did Jesus put in us? The Holy Spirit. And what are you doing with that Spirit in you? What are you doing with it? There'll be a day when we're going to stand before Christ as He's evaluating this church. He'll be evaluating us. Quite a thought, isn't it? That's when we really begin to realize this isn't about us, it was about Him. What did you do for me? What have you done to to continue me and my name to others who are lost? And so when we stand there, it says that our works will either be wood, hay, and stubble, straw, or gold, silver, and precious stones, and fire, or trials, will prove them out. This church has been going through trials, but they've been faithful with His Word, faithful with His name, and faithful to endure. Gold, silver, and precious stones. And because they've been faithful, they're going to receive a crown. And so when our works are tried, it will go through fire. And what remains? Wood, hay, and stubble is not going to remain. 
hey, you know what? In one way, thank God. The things I really messed up, they're going to be burned away. I don't have to remember them. Thank you, Jesus. He's gracious that way. But it says we will feel the suffering of loss and realize I could have done so much more. But the wood, the gold, silver, and precious stones, that will be our crown of victory. And it says we'll cast our, th- our crowns to him. We'll give them to him. So this is your victor's crown. So he says, hang in there, hold on, keep going, because don't let somebody else make you quit. In other words, steal your reward. And that's the number one thing the devil wants to do, is to get every one of us to abort our mission, to quit soon, to quit early. Right? He says to, to, to don't grow weary in what? Well-doing. For in due season you will reap a reward if you do not quit. If you don't give up. If you don't quit. So the only thing, the only thing the enemy can do to make sure to steal and destroy and rob from you is to get you to quit on him. And some of the best ways he gets you to quit on him is to put you into trials, put you into pain, put you into suffering, put you into difficulties, get disappointed with God once again. But if you truly know his character, you won't be disappointed with him. That's why Jesus started out this thing with, I am the one who is holy and true if you know his character like this church did they patiently endured every trial so that they would not lose their crown their reward this is a message for the church today folks you gotta hang in there because now the time is gonna get rough this the 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 uh the climate of this land morally is so anti-Christian. So it's going to get tougher the more you have a witness to his name and to his word. So hang in there. What's going to happen? It's going to happen around the world as it is in many nations. So patiently endure and remember, let no man steal your crown. You're his workmanship. He's delighted in you. And this crown is waiting for you. Your reward will be there. So you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to put up with a lot. And so maybe there'll be loss in your life. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Maybe there's going to be trauma and tragedy and people will fail you. That doesn't mean He doesn't love you and that He's not caring for you and watching over you. Maybe you're going to have problems and relationships with people. Maybe you're not going to enjoy coming to church because there's some people that really irritate you. But you're going to have to work through that. Don't let anything steal your crown. So what is my crown? What is my reward? It's what I do with Him daily. Daily. It's the mundane, banal activity of life. Get up, eat breakfast, drive to work, do my work, meet people, finish my work, go home, do what I do at home. Isn't that exciting? 
Someone ought to write a book about your life. God is. He is. He is. So what is the most interesting thing about your life? The choices you make in honoring Him. Don't let anybody rob your crown. Don't let anybody steal what is going to be a reward. And so he tells them this is what it's going to look like. He encourages them with these three things. He said, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So there is coming a time on the earth that is going to be like never before. World War I was bad, but this is going to be worse. World War II was bad, this is going to be worse. Vietnam is bad, this is going to be worse. All right, those were in limited locations. This is going to be a worldwide devastation. Are you ready? There's only one way you can be ready. Be secure in Him. Now, He said, I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have that no man may steal or seize your crown. The one who conquers or the one who overcomes. Stay faithful, endure it. He says He's going to do these three things. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. Okay, so he's going to make us a pillar in the temple. How many of you have ever heard that language? They're a real pillar in the church. They're a pillar in the company. They're a pillar. In other words, they're established, they're foundational. They're they're set in there not to leave. That's what he said. I'm going to secure you in the kingdom of God. That's pretty nice, isn't it? How many of you want to be secured in heaven? Right? You can't take this away. I'm going to be secured in the temple of God. I'm going to be His. Never shall I leave it. I will always be with Him. And He's going to give me three names. That's what you do on pillars. You you decorate the pillar with a name. You're going to be the pillar. You're going to be decorated with three names. You're going to be decorated with the name of my God, number one, Yahweh. Number two, the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem. So what is the name given in Revelation 20 and 21 of this new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. Does anybody remember the name? Very good. (laughs) Make ready for the bride of Christ. The city is actually called the bride of Christ. So that's going to be your name. You are going to have God's name written on your forehead. God's name written on you. And in the end times, there are going to be people who are going to have to take a mark on their hands and on their heads. What's your mark going to be? God. The spirit realm, they're going to see this is God's. God's property. I've got God's name. Yahweh, Jehovah, I've got God's name on me. The second is I'm his bride. I'm betrothed to him. He promised he'd never leave me, nor will he forsake me. I am his beloved and my beloved is mine. I'm his bride. And then the last one is this. And my own new name. That's Jesus. His own new name. Now that's, I don't know what that is. I don't know what his new name is. Now, it could be that his new name, according to Philippians chapter 2, is that he's been given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. That's his new name. That could be the name, Lord Jesus. It could be another name that we don't even know yet. But I'm going to have the name of God written on me. I'm going to have that I am His bride, and I'm going to have the name of Christ on me. That means I'm His. 
I am secured in him. I belong to him. He's that faithful to put his own name on me. Shouldn't I be faithful to that name? All right. That's my introduction. So now I want to get to what we're here for. And that's, that's this. I've got an open door for you. I've got an open door for you. Now the concept is this. What's an open door? Paul talked about an open door for evangelism. He said, when I went into this city, God shut the door and I couldn't advance. So then I went to another city. God shut the door. I couldn't advance. Then I went to another city, Lystra. God shut the door, but he had a dream from Macedonia. Some guy was praying and God showed him this man in a vision. So God opened the door to Macedonia, which happened to be Europe. And so Paul took the gospel to Europe. Paul wanted to go a different way. God shut a door, shut a door, shut a door, then opened a door which brought the gospel into Europe, which over time was the one thing that sustained the gospel in the planet and caused it to flourish and spread the gospel to all the world through Europe. I mean, God has a plan with an open door. He sees an open door, not just for the next 10 years, but the next 1,000 years. So there's open doors to evangelism. Paul says in Galatians, he says, pray that the Lord may give us an open door to minister and to witness. Now what's he talking about, an open door? There's resistance in all the cities, but what he's talking about is something in the spirit realm. A spiritual opening. Okay? So that's the open door. Jesus said, I got the keys. I got this for you. I'm going to open spiritual doors for you. And then he qualifies those spiritual doors. He said that when I shut something, you're not going to reopen it, and the enemy can't reopen it. How many of you like that? How many of you locks on your doors at home? How many of you, well, I shouldn't ask this, because if you left your door open, then someone might leave here and go, no, you, they wouldn't do that. You know, it used to be a time you left your doors open and unlocked. Isn't that crazy? I mean, young people now are like, what are you, crazy? And, and my mom would do this. She lives up north. You don't know where she lives, so you can't steal from her. I'd st- you know, mom, I-, I might get there before you come back from bowling or whatever. So I'd still have the doors open. Ma, <laughs> you can't leave the door open like that. Oh, yeah, there's nobody up here. Everybody trusts it. He's like, really, ma? But so, so he's got locks that the devil can't open. You know what? So many times we open the door up for the enemy. All he does is knock. Oh, yeah? What is it? Right? Oh, it's you again. Let me think about you all over again. Oh, yeah, I am lousy. I am rotten. He, we invite him in. He said, I'm going to shut doors that can't be opened. Then he said, I'm going to open doors no one can shut. So this is in the Spirit. So what I want to do with the rest of this time here is to pray for you for open doors and shut doors. He said, Are you keeping my word? Are you honoring my name? And are you patiently enduring? That's what he's asking. If you will do these things, if you will continue on in your faith, endure, whatever you're in, endure, be faithful, keep going, call on his name, and keep his word in your life, act upon his word, this is going to open doors for you. I am setting before you an open door. And so I want to pray, and we're going to take this in two sessions, two sections. First of all, I want to pray for things to be shut. 
things to be closed. All right? So we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to pray for you. You see, what good is it for me to give a teaching and, and it doesn't activate? It doesn't become real to us. We can hear all sorts of Bible lessons, but I want the reality of it. So let's take a few minutes. Tell me a few reasons why we would need doors shut. I want you to think. I want you to be creative. Somebody tell me, why do we need a door shut in our lives? So go ahead. Okay, there's a temptation. We have a besetting sin. We're easily uh, falling to something. It'd be great to have that door shut. That's a good one. You said the same thing? Okay. Protection. What do you mean? What do you think? Okay, protect us from evil. All right. Oh, okay, shut a door in a direction I shouldn't go. That's good, isn't it? Spiritual GPS. Anything that's stopping us from moving forward, let's shut that door, okay? Uh, so that you don't open up something you shouldn't? Okay. God's shutting that down. Regret. Thank you. Okay. Does anybody have regrets here? Things you really regret. Now, how many of you get dogged by that? Right, it come, You keep thinking, how did I, why did I ever do that? 30 years ago, you're thinking about stuff you did, right? How could I have ever done that? We need that thing shut. Lies from the enemy. I need that door shut. Again, the same sense of regret, things coming back, uh, things people said about us or to us, or thoughts we've, or feelings we've had about ourselves that are lies. Living in the past. Some, I saw some more hands here. Okay, all right, again, so that we're not going back into those old ways. Say that again? Well, we're not at open doors yet. We're, we're talking about closing to go to another. Okay, Judy. Fear, very good, okay. Are, are there issues of fear in our lives? Give me some examples of fear. What are you afraid of? What are we talking about? Say what? Well, you don't have to fear him if you do well. <laughs> if you do what is right. Fear. Fear is an absence of what? Faith. Love. Love casts out. Doubt. Fear is doubting. Okay, we're still on fear because that's a big, big thing. Fear. fear of failure. Okay. Shame. Wait, wait, we're still on fear. I'm going to go to shame and these others. What do we fear? What do you fear? The unknown. What do you fear? Home invasion. Home invasion. You're afraid of, of being hurt. 
Okay, so there's fear from man, fear of, of, for protection. What other kind of fear? Rejection, yeah, that's a big one. Misrepresenting, you don't want to misrepresent the Holy Spirit. You're afraid that if you act out, you're not going to represent God well. Marlo? Okay, being taken care of. Well-being, so we have a fear for well-being, the same thing procrastination okay fear of neck uh, of putting things off one more back here was that all right fear success all right so it all comes down to the unknown and not trusting in the lord fear of hurt coming to us in some way all right now we're going to keep going to the other things we want shut you said shame right the past these issues that we've got to put behind us. All right, that's a lot, right? We've got, we, we can keep going. And what we're going to do is as we're praying, I want you to begin to listen to the Holy Spirit because listen and observe to what He's saying to you while we're praying. You may have an image of something from the past that comes up in your mind and your heart, and that by, might be something He's trying to tell you. I'm going to close the door on this. Now, if He closes the door, what should we do? Yeah, leave it shut. Turn around and go the other way. If he's saying, I'm going to tell you this is over, this is the one thing that the blood of Jesus does for us. This blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he, his blood conquered the fear of death that Satan brought against us, Hebrews 12. So all of this is the blood. This is what the blood does. It covers it, it finishes it. Some of you need to be so done with the past. You really need to be done with some of these things. How many of you have really mm, messed up? Right? Okay. Are we done with that? Because he is. He's done with it. You've repented, you've asked God to forgive, you've cleansed, he's done with it. So this is where we're going first, all right? So if, if you feel that, you know what, Mark, uh, let's, let's put on some, some, just some instrumental music. If you feel that you need a door shut, come on up to the front and, and get as close as you can up here, and we're going to pray together for you. I need a door shut. I need a door shut. We've listed a whole bunch of ideas. You might have a different one. I just need a door shut, God. Once and for all, this door shut. 